Welcome to the Charity Network News Podcast, inspiring you to make the world a better place. Our host is Lex Lumiere, an award-winning therapeutic artist whose family legacy includes over a hundred years of art exhibits and providing artwork for international non-profit fundraisers. In our show, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from philanthropy leaders or creative souls, as well as news and insights to help you make a positive impact in your community. Now let's jump into your daily dose of juice. Please join us in creating excellence. question for you. You ready? Ready. How did you first get interested in photography? In the photography? How old were you? It was 1944. I'd have been uh, 33. From 44, I'd have been 11. Okay. I was 11 years old. I was in the fourth grade. And I was interested in chemistry. And I used to sell a little chemistry sets. And uh, you had the little chemicals and the test tubes and the Bunsen burner and we made hydrogen and did little, little exercises to learn at 11 years old. And uh, I was, uh, made a, made a, uh, an explosive container and I put it in my neighbor's garbage can. <laughs> now, if you read some of my interviews, they say that I blew up the neighbor's garbage can. I actually didn't blow up the garbage can. But my explosion blew up inside the garbage can. Okay. It was a safe thing to do. Well, my daddy was upset about that. So he said, you can't have a chemistry set anymore. <laughs> or we won't have any neighbors. So in my book, there was a section on photography. So I I'm, I'm mixed my chemicals by hand to process uh, black and white. It was no color then. There was no digital then, so it was no all digital by then. It was all in the dark. And in fact, because I worked in the dark all my life in a dark room, my optic nerves are twice the size of the average person. I can see in the dark more than other people. And they think that I got uh, glaucoma or something, and then they do more tests to find out if it's normal for me. You have your vision like an owl. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, so what the, <laughs> I have a vision. Uh, I see more than the average person. But anyway, that started me off in photography, and I uh, I loved it. Uh, to be able to see that print come out of the developer, mm -hmm. that, that was fantastic. He put a white piece of paper in, and all of a sudden, you got an image on it. Well, mystery, there was mystery involved in photography before. It was mystery, and it was like magic. And uh, here you got, you take a picture, and it's a latent image. You don't see it, but it's there. And you process it out as film, which is a negative, completely reverse of what you're going to have in the end result. The negative was your pattern. And so you could uh, make alterations on the negative to make corrections, uh, like a, a pimple would have been too dark on a negative. So you fill it in with pencils or dyes. And then we made positive prints with paper, emulsions, and so forth. 
So it, it was it was just exciting, very exciting, and, and I I missed that part. Yeah, you missed the mystery of it. Well, now it's referred to as classic photography. So I feel like I'm classically trained because I was trained in the dark room as well. And it's different. It's like you would shoot the picture to the negative and you don't see the negative. And you have to play the game of not exposing the negative to the light or you lose the image altogether. That's right. To bring it in the dark room to, you know, develop it. It was always and a it. And that's like a two-hour process just by itself. And then yeah. just to see if you got the image. Yeah. And it was always, it was always in the dark. You know, you, you had uh, a, a yellow-green light then in, in the dark with her paper, but then was completely dark. And so, and then we had all the chemicals when color came out, we had all those chemicals. That was always in the dark. I was always in the dark. So you kind of got the combination of chemistry and then mystery involved, well, without the explosive. Well, I studied chemistry. I started off studying chemical engineering in college. So that helped me quite a bit. And then I went, came home, my father wanted me to go get a business degree, so I'd be at the grocery store with him. So being an Italian son, you did what the daddy said. So um, I got a degree in business from Lamar University. But I went to two and a half years at the University of Texas studying chemical engineering. Did you really? I didn't know that about you. I was third in my class. Uh, well, I was one of the top three. I was, uh, there were three A's made in chemistry out of 635 students. But that explains your gift for math, too, because you're very good with math. Yeah, math was... I was I excellent at math. I took trigonometry and never opened the book and I made straight hundreds. So who was your very first like photography teacher? Do you remember? I never had a photography teacher. Did I, you teach yourself? I taught myself. I, I learned from the popular photography magazines and things, all the articles and stuff. They would come out every month, but I taught, I taught myself. I was, I was gifted to be able to read a book and learn. Mm-hmm. Most people have to have the book explained to them by a teacher. But I was gifted to be able to read something and learn. And what there wasn't there that nobody had no book on, I, I, I did the research and developed it. And uh, so I came up. When uh, when we started, when I first started, we bought all the chemicals, one individually, like Elon, hydrocodone, sodium sulfate, and all of them independently, and you make, measure them and mix them. Like a mad scientist. Yeah, like a mad scientist. That was fun too, I enjoyed that. And then they came out with them in a the can to make a gallon of the chemistry, so you just poured that in. But I had to mix everything by hand. I had the formulas. Hmm. Uh, D25 was my formula for a film, which later became Microdol developer for Kodak. So it was a I grew with it. It was nothing when they were out. That's okay. impressive we, though that you're self-taught because it's kind of like being a musician in a way. Like you learn, you were learning your instrument and your instrument in yeah. photography. So yeah. tell me a little bit about how you met my grandmother. Well, uh, I was in the 10th grade and she was in the 12th grade. And I took a Spanish dancing class. Uh, I don't know why I took it, but I did. And I used to like to dance and I liked Spanish. And so, they, they all the, the Spanish uh, students would take that class. Well, they were, they spoke the language and they learned, they knew the dances already. Of course, I was clumsy and I'd sit in the chair and watch them and be bored. And then your mother, grandmother came over to me and said, you want to dance? I said, I don't know how. She says, I'll show you. And so 
she showed me how to dance. You know, she's so shy. Yeah. Uh, Granny B. Yeah, she wasn't shy. I was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's where we met. And then uh, she graduated, and I hadn't seen her. And she went on to work for a Murillo studio, and she learned to be a retoucher. And uh, I went on to open up a photographic studio. And one day she walked in my front door and she says, I want to, I want to work for you and do your retouching. I said, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> and she said, yeah. And she started working for me. And uh, we, uh, she did my retouching and my oil painting. We wanted something in color. You had to paint over the photograph. Mm-hmm. brown tone it first and then use paints to paint over she did that so she was the artist in the studio and because of her art ability and what she would do at retouching and so forth is how i learned lighting i would always say what are you doing that for she says well that doesn't look good there i'm taking it out so i went in the camera room with my lighting and i would work with my lights until i, I wouldn't put that light there anymore Mm. So she wouldn't have to take it out, and that's how uh, that, that's how I learned lighting from her art ability. I learned lighting, and I learned to put with my art ability and my chemistry and my math and so forth. We made a team, and that, that's how we we got going. Then uh, her husband died, and while well, she was working for me, and so we wound up uh, uh, being together. And uh, we got married in 1970. And, uh, I wasn't even born yet. That was before I came around. Well, of course. You got Your bundle of joy was not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got married in 1970. We, uh, we, we became... The dynamic pretty, duo. Well, yeah, we were a pretty good team. Your creative power couple. I, was, uh, I would teach posing and lighting, and she would teach the... Uh, the art and uh, uh, retouching and oil painting, things like that. So uh, we traveled the world. So when we went around the world one time, and then when I got to go around again, she said, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so long way around the world, 24,000 miles. Well, I think you having three children, that probably kind of makes you nervous too when you travel. She told me about the time that y'all were in California and that you had a really bad rainstorm and y'all had to go up the side of the mountain in the car and that it started pouring and the car started backsliding. No, that was a, that was not California. That was Highway 7 in Arkansas. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with Highway mm-hmm. 7, but it was a real bad storm. Uh, and your mother started crying and praying. <laughs> she didn't think we were yeah. We got to the top, and there was a little store there. And, and uh, the man, y'all come from that road over? I said, yes. She said, yes, we came from over there. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We're staying. She says, we don't go that way when it's sunshine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. What was your favorite place to like visit in the world? What are, what are like your top in three? In the world? Your top three places that you just like. Depends on what I want. <laughs> but uh, if I wanted to go back somewhere right now, it would be uh, uh, the Canada, uh, Bouchard's Court in, uh, in northwest part of Canada. I, 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 we went to, we caught a clipper ship from uh, 
Seattle, Washington, to uh, uh, what's the name of that? The capital of uh, the furthest western state. My mind slipped at me. But anyway, that, that's Bouchard's court. And like Seattle? It, it's, it's not in Seattle, it's in Canada. You kind of oh, okay. like, catch the ship out of Canada and you go to uh, the last state, the capital, it's on the island. But it's absolutely breathtaking. There's flowers on every uh, light pole. And, wow. and the whole thing is flowers. They're all designed by the color. So they mix different colors together. So it, it is you would like love a portrait, it. Huh? As an artist, you would love it. It's it's it's, it's art, and mm-hmm. but with using the flowers, no bugs on that olive, and uh, <laughs> That's far, no bugs. so there's no no leaves are eaten up or anything like that. They're all perfect. And, it's, uh, God. and what about it? What's your second favorite place? Well, I, I've got to stick it here as close to home as possible. Of course, the Grand Canyon. Sedona, Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's got some beautiful thing, all the red rocks and everything. He just kept looking for John Wayne to come around the corner. He was <laughs> riding his horses. But Sedona is, is very, very pretty. Uh, Page, Arizona, Slot Canyon. Very, very artistic and pretty. All the limestones, the different colors and so forth, where the water rushing through from uh, there's two mountains like making a other mountain it's like an H mm-hmm. and the water rushes through between the top part of the H and the bottom part it carves out all of this stuff and it's a photographer and artist paradise and uh, that would be another place to go see Granny uh, really liked Japan well Japan yes oh yeah uh, Japan has got some like, the temple is made out of gold it's something to see you know but uh, that's our culture the way that people treat each other, the respect. And Japan is so different, but it's a, a beautiful, beautiful country. Still have a beautiful culture. This, the uh, Eurasian people in Japan get the best out of Japan. Like the girls that are half European and half Japanese, hmm. the Eurasians, and they're beautiful people. And they work as secretaries, and so they enjoy life, you know, they they got the recognition and everything. But yeah, Japan, Australia, again, uh, it's a fascinating country. That's on my bucket list, to swim in the Great Barrier Reef, but not get eaten by a shark. Uh, <laughs> that's the biggest in the world there, but it's, on, it's in trouble right now. Because the ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah, we, how, is, how is that? I mean, what do you think about what we've done with the environment just in the last hundred years? Well, you know, you, you, we all get kind of scared when they, they point out the bad things that happen. But, you know, let's look at Antarctica for right now. You couldn't draw a map of Antarctica because it's covered in ice right now. But you remember the Mayan Indians? You know, they have a map of the landmass that was drawn, they drew like 2,000 years ago. Hmm. So 2,000 years ago, the earth had to be warmer than it is today. So all of this climate change and everything, well, we may be contributed to it, but there's volcanoes and there's other things that add to it considerably too. 
And so it had to be warmer at one period of time. We know it was colder because of the, the ice age. Mm -hmm. So the earth is going through warming and, and uh, cooling. cooling periods of time. Like, and it's still here, you know. <laughs> we'll be here, but the earth will be yeah. here. So I, I, I don't have a scientific answer for it. Yes, some of the things are happening. And yes, we're contributing a lot of carbon dioxide or monoxide. Did you ever go to Brazil with the Amazon? You know, because the Amazon is like the main thing. I never went to the, the, there. I went to Rio, uh, Rio de Janeiro and uh, Sao Paulo mm -hmm. in Brazil. But that's all those two places I went to. I lectured in those two places. If I didn't have a lecture, I didn't go, you know. Yeah. But that's one I... I had to go from Houston to Miami, and then so taking off from Miami, we blew an engine on takeoff, and we started falling out of the sky. And I don't know how the pilot did it, but he managed with one engine to turn the plane around and landed. So mm -hmm. I had to leave the next day. When was that? What year was that? Oh, jeez. Remember? It had to be in the 70s, early 70s, something like that. Trying to be a little scary. So it was kind of scary, yeah. I was sitting next to the engine and blew out. <laughs> plane just shook all over. Was it like a cloud hopper? falling backwards. Those small planes, I don't like them. I don't no, even like getting on them. No, this was a two-engine two jet engine. Oh, you were in an actual jet, yeah. The yeah. cloud hoppers I don't like, like the ones that go from city to city. Yeah. Those small ones, I want, they have the worst luck. No. But the thing that amazes me about you is that you've come from a small town and you've been all over the world. What, what yeah. advice would you give to people that think that they're limited by where they're from? How doesn't have any location. <laughs> Excuse me. If you're talented and you got the skills, doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter where you're at. True, the bigger city you have more opportunities, but you make your own opportunities. If you become the best in your field, you can be anywhere. That's true. What about your dad? Did you learn your work ethic from your parents? Like, what, what did you? No, learn? my daddy was a butcher. I'm a butcher's son. Okay, that's still, I mean. We had an art a grocery, store, a grocery store, and I grew up at the grocery store. I worked at it every morning, sports group. I remember the grocery store. Yeah, and every afternoon. No, I got lost in your dad's meat locker once. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he always used to give me the. Uh, he used to bring me the little ice creams with the, they look like feet and they had gumball toes. <laughs> and I would take it and go like, but it was so hot everywhere. I would go sit in the locker. One time I got locked in, he was like looking for me everywhere. Oh, no. Like, where is Lexi? Where is she at? Well, I was in the meat locker. I was like oh, tapping on the window. He started laughing. He's like, he's like, you can't get Yeah. When I was, when I was uh, 11 Sweet. years old, I would get him a bicycle and ride to St. James Church. <clears throat> serve as an altar boy. Mm. And then I would take my bicycle to the, the bakery shop, which would be open by then. This is 4.30 mass. I would serve every day. 4.30 in the morning. Is St. James still here? Yeah, it's okay. still there. And I would go to Satania's grocery store, bakery, pick up some cinnamon rolls for my dad, and then drive uh, my bicycle to the grocery store. And I'd put up all the produce. We'd put them in the freezer every night. Then I put them out the next morning. I put them all up. Then I get on a bicycle and I ride to school. And then I come back and I work at the grocery store uh, in the afternoons after school. They closed at six o'clock, and I went straight home. 
which was uh, up there or down here, depending on where I was. I went from 50 on, it was this house. But uh, I'd start the meals. I'd, I'd cook the, the meals. For the family. For the family. So uh, I went to the meat market and all the meat that turned dark, we don't sell that. So I took that home and cooked it. <laughs> and you're a good cook. You're like yeah. a really good cook. Well, uh, my favorite thing, two things about you is granny, you're a great cook. But your your humor about life is always was one of my favorite things that I still like love about. Yeah, well, we we had we had a good time, but I love cooking today. Even I love cooking. Uh, I don't go out to eat restaurants because I like my cooking better. <laughs> yeah, it's because your cooking is better. Yeah. So anyway, that was part of my growing up. So what do you think about the landscape of photography, how much it's changed? It's gone from like classical and film to now it's the digital well, movement. The, the science of it has changed, but the art of it is still the same. So uh, if anybody's going in photography, I tell them to learn art. The techniques or the capturing system has gone from chemistry to digital to electronics. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that's the only thing that's changed. You still have the posing and the lighting, the composition. I think the lighting gets lost. The lighting. With all the new digital cameras. Today, with the phone, yes, lighting is lost. Yeah. If you haven't got, you're, you're, you haven't learned it, you still can capture it with the phone, but the, if you haven't learned it, lighting gets lost. But lighting is, the impact of lighting is the most powerful thing there is in the image. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have. All the art elements, line, form, shape, texture, color, contrast, sharpness, or, or diffusion, any, all of them art elements, you can have them all arranged perfectly into a beautiful composition, but it, it doesn't have equivalence. If it doesn't say anything, it's still dead. Yeah, if it doesn't have, yeah. It okay, has to it. have that equivalence. We call it impact, whatever. I like to call it equivalence, where the viewer can equate emotionally to the image mm -hmm. so learn that from me <laughs> yeah no well you're skilled in posing too because i noticed too when i look at a lot of the photography now the posing has been lost yeah i mean you have supermodel posing and i'm not what i'm talking about but i like just well, traditional posing i feel like some of it's been lost. but that's good and bad you know <laughs> uh, the posing uh we we follow the painters from from the 14th century 15th century you know who was your favorite painter? Who was your favorite painter? <coughs> well, I have to say Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those were the ones, not, not the abstract. You know what I just looked at that Bill Gates paid, I think it was $33 million for da Vinci's 27 page book. Oh my God. His notebook. His notebook. His notebook. I was blown away. I was like, yeah, they tell me that art doesn't sell. Yeah. Good art. Yeah, good art. Dead art. Dead art itself. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately, <right>? yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But anyway, uh, can we pause a minute? showed you like kindness while you were building out your business or yeah there's been a lot of kindness I'm trying to pick one out here um, 
Well, I've had rotary friends that come up and when I was first starting in business, won't go lend me money if I need it. My bank leading business person on the board told the bank people that lend me whatever money I needed for my business if they had faith in me. Uh, so I've had people like that in my life. That supported you. Yeah, the, the whole town supported me. Uh, I was uh, entering my images before I was in business and uh, PSA, Photographic Society of America, that's competition all over the world. And I would win awards in this competition and they'd put it in the newspaper so the whole community supported it. So I was ranked in 1966 as 10th in the world. Hmm. I was 33 years old. Wow. I think it's cool that they were willing to celebrate your success because I feel like now people are more competitive rather than supportive. Yeah, well, there wasn't many photographers in a major march, you know, before me. Not a small town, too. It was a small town, so you become instantly recognized in a small town. Whereas I was in Houston, I was just, uh, you know, a number. A number or a person. So while we're just talking about Rotary real quick, I have a question. So what is the motto of Rotary? Service above self. Where it's like help out mankind. The national club took it upon themselves to annihilate over them. Worldwide. So every club contributed to the national club. And you were with Rotary for how long? Uh, 65 years. That's a long time yeah. to be committed to something. 65 years, every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever I went, when I traveled around the world, if I missed a Rotary meeting, I had to make up around the world. In other words, you, you miss church. You just miss church. You don't have to make it up. Right. But in Rotary, if I missed a meeting, I had to make the meeting up at another Rotary club somewhere in the world, wherever I was. So tell me how that influenced you in terms of like philanthropy and charity. Like what was, I know you worked with some of the water projects. Well, we had, we had all kinds of projects. Rotary involved in the local Boy Scouts, we involved in the involved in the community in many different ways. And so I was part of that. The, the leaders of the community set a good example for me to follow. So I was a young businessman. When I went into Rotary, and I was only 25 years old. What is their motto? Because I never remember. You always you told me before. Service above self. So what's the motto one? The one where... Am I something? Am I a leader? Do you remember? No, nothing like that. Just service above self. The same thing. Yeah. And uh, we can get things done through Rotary from one Rotary Club to another Rotary Club in another country faster than our governments can get things done 
So how did you do the, you did water projects though, was it in South America? Uh, we, uh, in um, Nicaragua, we had, we had dug, well, dug wells. Uh, we got money together and paid for a well. And, uh, and <laughs> some village in Nicaragua, different water clubs bought different wells. Okay. So we gave them fresh water. And and we did that from club to club, mm. not through government. And it's just a faster way of getting things done. So the only people that knows about it is Rotarian. And like teamwork makes the dream work. I got the longitude and latitude of where that well is. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Somewhere. I went to a Rotary meeting um, this past Christmas, actually a Christmas party in the Rotary party. It was very interesting because, like, some of the people have been in so long. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, I, I had 55 years perfect attendance. Not only a member for that long, I was a perfect attendance <laughs> for that long. And that, that was accomplished. But I'm not in Rover anymore. I just got tired of going to meetings. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I, that I admire to you about your generation because I feel like what makes you unique is that you're, you're a man of your word. And, and like, and I'll give you an example. So like, when do you remember when I was, we were doing Granny's um, obituary and her thing for her service, and the computer had died. <laughs> and I was like working on her her obituary yeah. part and for the service, and you know all these people were coming and the computer died, and I called you, and you were like, I'll be there like 6:30 in the morning. You were there like 6:15, <laughs> and you were helping me. You and Lily were the two people who helped me do it, and. And the, the thing I admire about your generation and like my grand, my other grandfather was just that if y'all said y'all were going to do something, you were reliable to your word. And if you couldn't do it, you would say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me at this time. What about X, Y, and Z? Or what about this option? And that, that's something that I have a lot of respect for. And I'm just saying that I because... I don't guess they do that anymore. No, you do not get that a lot. You get a lot of people that just ghost you and don't let's just come out yeah they blow you off with the modern term being blown off and they just don't do what they say they're going to do yeah. and so i have more respect for people that when they do something that's not just they say it, they're gonna do, yeah i mean we didn't use paper and and contracts a handshake you know and we did it we honored it that was your name if you didn't do it you didn't have a good name mm-hmm. and it would affect your reputation it was yeah it was it was a better way of doing things. The lawyers messed up everything. Mm. You got to do things to please the lawyers. They make people have be enemies. The lawyers do. You got to mm. be very careful. You got to honor your word. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's admirable. People are going to remember you different. People are going to remember you differently. But I, my my students that I've taught, I always tell them, you know, wherever you learn something, give credit to your teacher that you learned it. Mm-hmm. And then number two, take what you've learned and pass it on to somebody else, so the whole world will grow. The whole people in the world will grow. And I had two or three other things in there, but they're gone. But the, those two things are the most important. Give credit and pass it on and teach it. And oh, the third one, the fourth one, I don't remember the third one. The fourth one is become better than your teacher. Mm. 
Because we don't become better than the teacher, we haven't progressed. Yeah, that's true. So. You know, my, my art teacher from high school, when I was living in New York, I invited her, so her students won the Carnegie Hall Award and um, for academic, for education. And I had just got the showcase at the Louvre for the Exposure Award. And she was like, oh my God. You know, and I think that's part of it is like you're trying, you know, you're trying to tear up, but it is hard. It's hard work to stay persistent. It, to be successful, determination plus hard work. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't know if it always means that you're going to end up being rich. You know, because some people are under the impression that your success makes you wealthy. But I, to me, there's different types of abundance. Like, I felt like I've met If you're going people. for richness, you're going to fail, particularly yeah. in the art world. You know, yeah. when you're dead, your stuff is worth more than when you're alive. Mm -hmm. and, and photography is, is very difficult to be accepted as art. It's, you know, the painters are more accepted instantly as art. So did you start the Houston chapter of the PPFA? Did I start what? The Houston chapter of the Professional Photographers of America. The chapter of it? Yeah, did you start it in Houston? No, no, no. no that's way before my time. Okay. Yeah, no, but I was president of the Houston Photographers Guild. And I was president of PPFA. And president of ASP, American Society of Photography, which is an association of all the masters. So, do you miss them? Do you miss who was the most memorable camera craftsman you can think of? Oh, uh, Paul Linwood Giddings out of Houston. Because I guess because we were close, and I've always, when I was a, as a young boy, I would drive to Houston and stick my nose and eyes up against his window panes and, and study his images. Hmm. Uh, they were so beautiful, and, and one day he was judging. Uh, the master's exhibit that I, I had my prints in there and I had this first print of high key right here and it was big and uh, he came he went up to that and he judged it and then he had a critique and he came to this print here and he turned to me he said Frank he says you do the most beautiful high key of any photographer I know of in the world Hmm. And I said, Mr. Giddings, can I quote you on that? He says, if you do, I'll call you a damn liar. <laughs> <laughs> but he admired this print, which is the first one in my book of, of Alma. And it's it's perfect in technique. And this is but, this is from your Fuji Lifetime Achievement Award book, right? Yeah, this okay. is, this is the, the first image in my book. So pretty. First. Thanks for listening to Charity Network News with Lex Lumiere. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out online or please leave a review. Join us again next week. Until then, focus on creating solutions and making a positive impact in the world with your presence. Be kind, volunteer, pay it forward and keep shining your love light.